So some of you thought that Andrew and Joyce are the only ones that can do an object lesson. I've got a little alarm clock. This is going to, I'm going to use this later today. You're going you're gonna to appreciate it. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. The text today is so long, I'm going to let you be seated, and I'll have, don't worry, I'll help you stand for the prayer. So here we go. Acts 5, 17 through 42. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, we found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin and to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin, men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theudas appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Would you stand with me in prayer, please? Lord, you have a word for us. Your love is here. We do not need to fear your light shining into our darkness. We don't need to fear you coming into our brokenness and speaking. We don't fear you coming and confronting our compromise because everything you are doing today is for our good. You want to remove things out of our hearts that are killing us or going to kill us. Help us, God. Hide me behind the cross. Holy Spirit, come and fill this place. Have your way. We ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So the title of the message today is Persecution Proof. The events 
that are in our text, don't picture them as years after. These are, this is months after the crucifixion and resurrection. This is the, the first event that happens is they, they had got Peter and John were at the gate called Beautiful. It was a prayer meeting very, very early, months after Jesus died and rose again. And the man at the gate called Beautiful was, was, was healed and he had, he had been a cripple all of his life. And that was a great sign and wonder. And um, the, so they, they had brought the Sanhedrin and brought him in. The Sanhedrin is made up of 70 Jewish leaders. Some are Sadducees. Some are Pharisees. These are two groups of leaders, and they were the civil law and the theological law for Israel. They function under Rome. It was in the Roman Empire, but Rome often did this with their client kingdoms. They would have them self-rule as much as they could. As long as taxes were paid, Rome was fine with it. So, so this, is, this is the civil law group. And so Peter and John had been brought, and they said, stop doing this, stop preaching his name, and and they said, you know, we need, we need to do what God tells us to do. And, and then they sent them back. And there's that prayer meeting in Acts chapter 4. We, we've already been over that. And, and so now we're in Acts 5. And it's not just Peter and John anymore. It says in, in verse 12 of chapter 5 that all of the apostles are involved in signs and wonders. There are miracles are exploding. And... And the people are, are, are gathering and are, are following. And so they are, they are now it's round two. They, they'd already been brought in once. Now it is, it is round two, and they are brought in. And the response of the apostles is, is not only did they get through it, but they came out filled with joy. They came out filled with purpose, even though their lives are at risk, their families' lives are at risk, they are literally doing, again, the thing that they got flogged for, and yet they are, they are persevering through it. They are what I'm calling persecution proof. And, uh, and so I want all of us, God wants all of us to be persecution proof. Proof that whatever comes against us, whoever comes against us, not only that we will get through it as believers, but that we will actually thrive in that environment. So let's get, let's get to the message. Point one, how do you become persecution proof? Point one, this is interesting, expect persecution. Why? People persecute that which they can't understand or control. People persecute that which they cannot understand or control. The Bible says that they were filled with jealousy. They're supposed to be the leaders. They're supposed to be setting the religious tone. And all of these people are following the apostles, and they need to stop it. This is, we didn't order this. We, we didn't tell them to do this. Things are happening outside of our control, and they're, they're losing their hold on the people. And so they're, they're, they're kicking against this. The Bible says that they were confused or filled with, uh, they were wondering after the angel let these guys out of prison. We put these guys in jail. We went to get them. They're not in jail. Then we find out they're preaching somewhere. And it says that they were filled with wonder or confusion at what was happening. Why? Because they have a worldview. And the, the Sadducees that were the leaders here, they were the ones that were the most jealous. They're the ones leading the charge. Their worldview is there are no miracles. There are no angels. There are no spirits. It's all about this world and this life. And, and, and so when something happens outside of your worldview that you can't explain, that's called a wonder. Why? Because it makes you wonder. It's like, that's not supposed to happen. I, I've got control. This is what life is like. This is what science says. And something just happened that couldn't happen. And it, it, it's called a sign and a wonder. It's something that the Holy Spirit does that only he could do. It is how worldviews get changed. It, this, is, this is how it starts. I was uh, 
reminded this week of Tom Doyle. Tom was a missionary who came here, a missionary to the Middle East. He spoke at our missions conference, and he's, uh, he wrote a book called Dreams and Visions is God Awakening the Muslim World. And the, the book tells of all over the Muslim world. He's over all of the Middle East, including Egypt and Iran and Saudi Arabia, and story after story after story of, of Muslims getting... Uh, appearances of Jesus in their dreams or by visions, and Jesus appears to them as the man in white. He often is on a bridge. He often says, follow me. He often says, I love you. Um, and and it's, it's awakening the Muslim world. He, Tom says, it's not like they go to bat a Muslim and wake up a Christian, but the dreams are are stirring their worldview. It's, it's creating a change. They have been taught that we're worshiping three gods and that the Bible has been corrupted and this is how they're brought up, this is how they're trained, and this, this comes in as a sign and a wonder into their worldview and it, it, it crashes. And, and so we've got, there have been more Muslims converted in the last 10 years than in the 1,400 years before that. There is, uh, um, the, it, it's amazing what God is doing to reach people in these days through these signs and wonders. Peter says, we're witnesses, and the Holy Spirit is witnessing too. The Holy Spirit is confirming the truth with things that only God could do. Um, and then anger. <laughs> They, they get, they're so angry they want to kill them. They don't do it originally because they're afraid that they're going to be stoned because the people are following. But then when they get the Sanhedrin and they're accused once again of killing Jesus, they want to kill them. They want to put the fire out. They want to contain this thing once and for all. The last time they tried to contain it, it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and so they're, they're, they're just filled with rage. And... Uh, and Gamaliel stands up. Gamaliel, um, in, in history, Josephus tells us he's, he was one of the most respected rabbis in history. Certainly at that time, he was the lead rabbi. He was a Pharisee, not a Sadducee. And he, he stands up and he says, guys, let me give you a little advice. Because they're, they're ready to kill these guys. And he says, listen. If what they're doing is not from God, it will fizzle out on its own. It, it, nothing, nothing that man is doing can continue. God, it'll eventually find its way to fizzle out. But then he says this, but if it is God, then you're, you're going to be fighting God. Now that should give everybody pause. You do not want to be in a fight with God. You're always, you will always lose that fight. You, you never want to be opposing God. And he says, you, 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 you guys need to think about this. Do you really? What, what if what they're doing is of God? You don't know for sure. What if it is? And so that, that calms them down a little, so they, they, they flog them and send them back. People want control. They want their world to be controlled. And there's all kinds of emotions when something's happening outside of their control. People persecute which, what, what they cannot understand or control. Um, right now, there's a, a group called, uh, what is the name? Oh, Release International. And they report on persecution. And uh, tw 2020 was a horrible year for persecution. Iran, China, and India, and Malaysia all used COVID to shut churches down. And, and they're, they're set to persecute. It's the, the, the strongest persecution is um, for Muslims that convert, or in India, it's Hindus who convert. They, it, so it's, it's all illegal. It's, it's illegal to convert. It's illegal to force anyone or suggest that anyone should convert. And so they are shutting things down wherever they can. And this is happening right now in our world. Well, Pastor John, praise God, it's not in America. Guys, it, 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 it could come to America. I mean, 
in May, we, we had, public health had made us an essential service with all the other ones. We could only have 10, and we, we, could, we, could, we could preach. And, um, but then there, it, they opened things up. And when they opened things up, they said essential services can now have 25% of their capacity, and all the non-essentials can have up to 50 people. And with that change, they changed churches from essential to non-essential. And this happened on a Sunday, and I, and I remember, I'm like, uh-oh, uh-oh, we're in trouble. We're, we're going to... And it was stiff. It was like $1,000 a person over 50. They ch shifted us to non-essential. Well, we, we've got prayer meeting coming on Tuesday. So I call for an elder meeting on Monday night. I'm like, guys, uh, tell me what we're going to do. And I remember going around the, the, the talk around it, and Ron Cotter, our, kind of our, our most elderly elder, he said this. He said, well... We have to decide whether we're an essential service or not. <laughs> he said, in my mind, we've never been more essential than we are right now. And, and, and so the elder board was unanimous. We, we need to take a stand, but not with defiance. Not, we're not shaking our fists. We just need to obey God rather than man. Because Jesus, this is the most essential service on the, on the face of the earth. And... Uh, And the Catholic Church sued public health, so it ended up only being that we had one illegal service, and then by, by the weekend, we were fine. So, persecution. Expect persecution. People persecute, which they can't understand and control. Secondly, Jesus promised it. Here's Mark 10, 29 and 30. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. This is one of the greatest promises given to those who follow the gospel. Jesus says, listen, whoever, whoever abandons anything for my sake... I will multiply. I will make your life 100 times better in this present life with persecutions and in the life to come, eternal life. He wanted us to know up front, you are signing up for persecution if you want to be a Christian. It's part of the package. He says in John 16, 1 and 2, he says, they're going to hate you because of me. They're going to try to kill you and think they're doing God a service because you are following me. And then he said this, I'm telling you this ahead of time so that when it happens, you don't fall away. We, we tend to, if we get surprised by something, and, and we, we signed up for this, and then this happens, we're like, oh, this is not what I thought it was. And Jesus said, you need to know up front what this is. You're going to be persecuted. Hmm. Paul says this in 2 Timothy 3.12. He says, In fact, everyone who desires to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. This isn't even if they live godly. This is everybody who just wants to live godly. Everybody who tries to live godly. Well, Pastor Tom, why? Because the Bible says that the road is wide that is leading to destruction, and many are those that are on it. And those that are on it, they're on it, and they want everybody else to endorse their way, and that their way is right, and they make fun of, and they, you're, you're, the, the road is small. The way is narrow that leads to life. So you're going against the grain of our society. Have you ever noticed something about, about an alarm clock? An alarm clock at one and the same time is a blessing to those who want to get up, and it is an irritant to those who want to stay sleeping. When, when, we, when we first were in Madison in 2007, we got a one-bedroom apartment with a 
that Alice and I were in, and then we had a, an open, it was just an open room, and it had a loft upstairs, and Beth was on one side, our daughter, and Leslie Cahill, at that time, Alexander, was, was staying with us, and she was in there. Well, Leslie had a horrible time getting up in the morning, and so she would set her alarm clock, and because she knew her own nature, which was as soon as that thing went off, it's to wham it so that it, 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 it went off, and then she would be late for everything. She would, when it went off, she would take it and throw it so that it kept beeping, so that she would have to get out of bed, so that she would for sure get out of bed. Well, how many know that that would be a blessing to her, but not, not such a blessing to all of us to have that, that going off? So the world is asleep spiritually. And when Christians are living godly in this world, what, what do I mean by living godly? Trying to live for God, trying to follow God, trying to live righteous, trying to do the right thing, trying to, it, it's like an alarm clock that is, that is waking them up, and they don't want to wake up. I want to be asleep. I want to go my own way. Stop talking about Jesus. Stop talking about heaven. Stop talking about accountability. Stop talking about holiness. We're living the way we want to live, and we're living for ourselves and our own pleasure, and stop. I want to sleep. And so they try to turn it off. I was sharing this last night at the prayer meeting, my, and, and I, was, I was telling about this illustration, and, and I said, have you ever had an alarm clock go off where it's not you? You wanted to stay sleeping. And my son-in-law said, he said, yeah, you, you pick it up and throw it against the wall. Okay, that's persecution. <laughs> That's somebody saying, I don't, I don't want to wake up. Stop. Did you know that this is why we go to church? It's to wake up. Wake me up. Wake me up. Why? Because we're all hitting the snooze button. <laughs> you, you get awake, and, and I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm gonna, and, then, and then something happens, and pretty soon it's the snooze button. And, and, and we're, we, 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 we doze off again. And, and we, we, need, we need to make it. We're going to have to wake up. We, we, we're alarm clocks to each other. We wake each other up. It, Christians who want to be awake, thank you when you're on fire for Jesus. Because, whew, that woke me up. Oh, I didn't even know I was sleeping. And, but, but I'm awake now. And how many know that sometimes Christians don't want to wake up? They want, they want to stay asleep. And then there's persecution, not just outside the church, but inside the church. Maybe you don't agree with everybody that's on fire for Jesus or everything they're doing, but guys, let, let whatever fire's in them wake you up. Delilah had to put Samson asleep before she could take away his power. Delilah would never, the Philistines would never face Samson, while he was fully awake. Why? Because the anointing of the Holy Spirit was on him. They, she needed to put him asleep so she could separate him from his power, which was his consecration, his godliness. We need to stay awake. And then what's our job? What's our job in the world? To go out and be alarm clocks. Some people will love you for it, and some people will throw you against the wall. Expect it. Persecution is a test from God we must pass. Look at Luke 8.13. Those on the rocky soil are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in a time of testing, they fall away. So what is the test of those on the rocky soil? Mark's gospel tells us beyond that there is a test, what the test is. Here's what it says, Mark 6.4.16, same passage. Others, like seeds, seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word, and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. This is one of God's tasks for every one of you and me. We will be persecuted, and we will have a chance to leave our faith. A few years ago, 
um, I was, I was, we were down in Kansas City. It was the One Thing Conference, and I'm doing my devotions, and it's December 31st reading. And here's the, here's the scripture. Revelation 22, 11. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile people person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right. And let the holy person continue to be holy. And I, I get done reading it, and I'm like, Lord, what, what is this? Why would you ever say to somebody that's doing wrong, let him continue to do wrong? Why would you say to a vile person, continue to be vile? I couldn't understand it. And, and, and then it became very clear to me. This isn't written to those who are doing wrong or those who are vile. This is written to those who are doing right, who are now living holy. What he's saying is this. Whether anyone else changes or not, you keep doing what's right. You keep doing what's holy. Whatever the crowd's doing, there is no guarantee that anyone else is going to change. Whatever your children are doing or your parents are doing or your, or, or your country is doing, you need to decide. I am not for sale. Though none go with me, still I will follow. You've got to put a root. You've got to put a root down. This has to be your choice. You're not going to make it because mom, mom thinks you should, or the pastor thinks you should, or, or your friends think you should. You need to decide that Jesus is your truth and that you are going to follow him. This is the test that everyone... Every one of us is going to have to face. Expect persecution. That's part of becoming persecution proof. Expect it. I'm not surprised. I signed up for this. And then point two, last point. Embrace abandonment to Jesus. Peter says this. We are witnesses of these things. We are his witnesses. Why are we out here? Why are we teaching? Why are we bringing the, word, the, the news of this life? We are his witnesses. Jesus said, you're going to, you're going to wait in Jerusalem and, and you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses. Well, that word witness is the word martis in, in Greek. It, it means, it's where we get our word martyrdom. It means to be a witness, whether by my life or by my death. It means I am all in, regardless of the consequences. Uh, my life belongs to Jesus, and I'm abandoned to him. Look at Revelation 12, 11. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even when faced with death. See, the enemy, and this is all about overcoming the devil, he's an intimidator. Remember when, when he came out and he was, he was the one speaking through Goliath. Intimidation, 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 and it paralyzed the, all, all of Israel. He's an intimidator. And as long as we're not abandoned fully to Jesus, as long as we're holding on to something, He's got us. We're always going to back down. You have to take this off the table. You have to take your life, whether you make it or not, whether everybody likes you or not, you've got to take that off the table. You have to fear not your own death. So let me tell you what religion does. Religion parcels out how much it will do. I want God some. I want God a little. And here is my line in the sand. So Jesus comes to the rich young ruler, and he says, uh, he says follow me. And the rich young ruler says, uh, you know, I kind of am. I, I'm keeping all the, the laws. And Jesus says, you lack one thing. Abandonment. Sell everything. Follow me. A few years ago, we were on retreat, and Alice was re reading this text. And the Lord spoke to her and said, your wealth is your children. You, you haven't, the reason why you're struggling getting close to me is because you're, you're still holding on to something. 
and I want you to abandon your children to me. I'm the only one that can really care for your children anyway. How many have, how many have figured that out? You, you, you really, we don't have the control we think we do. You need to abandon them to me. Because right now, they're in the way of our relationship. They're too important. You're holding them too. What, what is your wealth? Is it, maybe it is money. Maybe it is your stuff. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your position. Maybe it's your retirement. What, what, what are you holding on to? God's calling for abandonment. He's calling for you to, to let go and take whatever is in your hand that you're holding on to. He wants people to be abandoned to Jesus. And it's interesting, the greatest promise in the New Testament for believers, the Mark 10, 29, and 30 that I just read about your life is going to be a hundred times better when you abandon to me, is actually in response to the rich young ruler goes away, and Peter says, what about us? We've left everything. And that's the promise he gives. You need to trust me with your life. Tom Doyle said there's two diagnostic questions they have when Muslims want to become Christians. Because he said there, there has been so... It is so difficult over there, they don't allow people to pray the prayer to accept Christ without answering these two diagnostic questions. Number one, are you willing to suffer for Jesus? Number two, are you willing to die for Jesus? The answer to both of those is yes. Hmm, we'll let you accept Christ. Pastor Tom, I'm so glad we don't live in the Middle East. I had an experience January 7th this year. It's our, it was our prophetic night that night where we all gather and everybody gets to share what they think God might be saying to us. And it was that morning. I'm in my quiet time. I'm, we're, we're fasting that week and I have this these two words come into my mind, and the words are dangerous safety. And I'm like, you know, that sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? Dangerous safety. What? Dangerous safety. What does that mean? And then a sentence, and here's the sentence. To stay free from deception, you need to live your Christian life at risk. That was the sentence. I'm like, okay, that's a cool sentence. I write the sentence down. But I'm a stickler, prophetic experiences, whatever you have. I want Bible. I want to know where, where it's in the Bible. So I said that. I said, God, I need a scripture. Boom, Mark 8.35. So here's Mark 8.35. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake in the Gospels will save it. Isn't this, this is an oxymoron. You want to be saved spiritually? Then you need to let go of your life. <laughs> You, you, need to, you need to be willing to lose your life every day. You need to be, live your Christian life at risk. Whatever, whatever obedience means, I want to do it. I, I, I want to be available. Whatever it is, I'm not making any uh, uh, regulations for God. God, you, this is my life. I want to be abandoned to you. That you are the safest that you've ever been spiritually. And if you do the opposite, if you live in self-protection... And oftentimes, self-protection comes from we've been wounded, and so we built walls up. We don't want to get hurt again. We don't like being hurt. And so we get all of these walls around us. And, and it's, it's in American culture. Has anybody noticed this? The goal, like, is to be comfortable and trouble-free and comfortable and trouble-free forever by retiring. And we're, we're working toward this thing that is God's not going to ever give you that thing if you follow him. Here's what we signed up for. God, whatever you want. If I'm, comfort, if I'm comfortable and it's easy, well, that's a, that's a benefit and a blessing and also a responsibility. God, help me to help others. I'm free from my stuff. Help me to come and lift somebody else's cross. But God, don't, don't leave me on the sidelines of just comfortable and safe. I, I want to live my Christian life at risk for you and for the gospel. So, let go of your life. And then secondly, this, this idea of being abandoned to Jesus. Peter says, we must obey God and not man. 
Pastor Tom, I don't know that I would do that. I don't know if, if my life was in the balance and I knew they were going to beat me. I don't know that I would stand up. Let me give you a hint. I don't think Peter thought so either. He had just said two verses before where he says, we must obey God rather than man. He said that God gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. For Peter, this is all about a culture that has welcomed the Holy Spirit. Peter knows that his own courage, he had already said he would die for him, and he ended up denying him three times in front of a circle. He knows in his own strength, in his own will, he's not going to be able to live this out. But the Holy Spirit can help him. The Holy Spirit that's in him can, can fill him, and this new life, in union with it, he can be all in. He can be totally abandoned. And so when he says we must obey God and not man, what he is thinking about is this culture that he wants to have in his life of the Holy Spirit's presence. It sounds like God gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. It sounds like he's trying to earn something, that the Holy Spirit, you have to earn. That's not at all what's in this. The Holy Spirit lives in believers. And the Bible says two things. It says, it says one, one thing we can do is we can grieve the Holy Spirit. That's Ephesians 4.30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit in the way you speak, in the way you speak about others, in, in, in unforgiveness. There's lots of ways that you need to make a place where you do not make the Holy Spirit sad. And Peter is, Peter's like, I, I, want, I want the Holy Spirit to fill me again and again and again. I don't want to grieve him. And so his obedience to God is not the obedience of a servant. A servant obeys because he doesn't want to be punished. So it's really for his sake. I don't want to be punished, so I obey. But a friend, when a, when a friend obeys or, or doesn't disobey, it's not because he's afraid of punishment. He doesn't want to disappoint his friend. It's pure love. I, I want to please he, he, he wants to be in a culture with the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit's filling him. The Holy Spirit is welcome. To grieve the Holy Spirit is to reject the character of Christ. All of the beauty of who Jesus is, the Holy Spirit wants that beauty in us. And when we say no to it, we grieve him. He's still in us, but he will back off. The other thing that the Bible says is that we can quench the Holy Spirit. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.19. It says, do not despise prophetic utterances. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. One grieving is when we resist the character of Jesus. Quenching is when we resist the ministry of Jesus. When we, when we, when we resist his power, his prophetic, his ability to speak now, his ability to do signs and wonders. When we shut that down, because oftentimes it's not just the world that wants to keep control. The church also wants to keep in control. And so, so we're going to tell God what he can and can't do. We're going to put little borders around him and the Holy Spirit's, you, you, he'll back off. He'll back off. He'll back off of a life. He'll back off of a church. Say, oh, you guys want to do it without me? Okay, go ahead. Because when he comes, he's going to be in charge. <laughs> and our part is to obey him. <laughs> our part is to have a culture of, God, you tell me to do it. It doesn't matter whether it's hard or not, because I want you more. I want you more. I want you more than a safe life. I want you more than everybody to like me. God is, God's looking for a people today, guys. There was a people back then that he could come in the midst, and they said, we're, we're all about the Holy Spirit. We're all about obeying God, not man. Man does whatever they're going to do, but we're not for sale. God's looking for that group of people today. David said, don't cast me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't. He had sinned greatly, but he's like, don't, whatever else happens, don't let me be apart from your spirit. Didn't Moses say the same thing? God, if your presence isn't going, don't send me. I'm not going. I'm in this for you. 
What else distinguishes us from all the rest of the people on earth except your presence? God is looking for that people today. Making a culture for the Holy Spirit. So, a couple weeks ago, we had our youth testify. We'd come, we had 76 kids go to camp, and we had testimonies back here. 23 of them were able to be here on that Sunday morning, and um, they, they, they gave their testimony, and I, I said after they were done, this is the best sermon we've had here. It was amazing what God had done in these kids' lives. And almost every single testimony was about the night where we anointed them for the Holy Spirit. Some of them called it the anointment night. And there, was, there were signs and wonders that night. God came. God touched these kids. So I want to tell you what the message was that they responded to. Because it was not an easy message. It was from 1 Samuel. And we talked about Hophni and Phinehas. Hophni and Phinehas were Eli's two sons. You can read all about it in Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1 and 2. And these guys, were, they grew up in church. They were church kids. They grew up in synagogue school. They, they knew their Bible. Their dad is a priest. They're, they're just around the things of God. And they, they decided um, at some point to embrace a message of sexual freedom. And that they started promoting the idea that sex outside of marriage was no big deal. And they started using their position of power as priests to even make it part of the religion. And so they were seducing women that were coming to make sacrifices in the temple. I mean, this is just, it's just really, really bad in every way. And they rejected God's boundaries for sexuality and were, were creating this thing. And, uh, but it really wasn't about, and, and if, you, if you read 1 Samuel 2, you'll see it's not really about Hophni and Phinehas. Their time has already passed. They, the, the, Bible, the Bible says in Proverbs 29:1, he who often hardens his heart after much discipline will be cut off beyond remedy. That we don't see God's dealing with them and disciplining them and the process that they got. All we see is the final state. They're already at that state where it's too late for them. God's, it's now God's will to kill them. They are going to die. What we see in 1 Samuel 2 is God's dealing now with Eli, their father. And we read the prophetic word that's given to him. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. I will honor those who honor me. Eli isn't involved in sexual sin. Here's what he's involved in. The fear of man. He's told his sons, it's not right. What you guys are doing isn't right. We really shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be abused. They're not just sleeping with women. They're, they're blaspheming the Lord's offerings. They won't even let the burnt offerings burn out. They're, they're demanding their share early. And they have no respect or honor. And Eli's like, it's, that's really wrong. That's really bad. You guys shouldn't be doing that. Listen, there's one person in all of Israel that can remove them as priests. And that's Eli. And he's unwilling to do it. He is unwilling to stand up to his own sons that are in disobedience to God. And he lets all of Israel be poisoned with this, this half-God stuff. God plus pagan sexuality and, and the, what the pagans are saying. And, and so the prophecy comes to Eli. You have honored your sons above me. And the judgment that he gets is the same judgment that Hophni and Phinehas give. They both die on the same day, and Eli also dies on that same day. So, God's, but God's got a plan for Israel. God raises up this other guy named Samuel. Samuel is in middle school at the time. And, but Samuel, he's extraordinary. He loves 
the presence of God. He makes his bed as close to the ark as he can. He's in the tabernacle. I, I, the manifest presence of God is on the ark. There's a curtain there, so you can't be right next to it, but he gets his bed as close as he can. He loves God's presence. Extraordinary. The, in the same generation that Hophni and Venus, here's Samuel just wanting the presence of God. But then God speaks to him. And what God says to Samuel is, is horrible. What God says to Samuel is Samuel is supposed to give Eli's judgment. The guy that he loves the most, the guy that's like a father, really is a father, certainly a spiritual father, but kind of acting as father, father. He's going to have to give the word of judgment. And Samuel comes to him. And he, he basically says this, son, I want you to pass the test that I failed. You need to tell me whatever the word is. Whatever, however hard it is, however difficult it is, I need you to tell me what the truth is. And Samuel gives him the hard truth. And here's what the next verse says. God did not let one of Samuel's words fall to the ground. There, a great authority came on Samuel. Here's what the next verse says. His word went to all Israel. And the next verse says, and God met with him every month in Shiloh. This intimacy with God. And where Israel had been completely backslidden, there was a change because of this one kid. And so you say, Pastor Tom, what's that got to do with us? Absolutely everything. And the teenagers know it. Hophni and Phinehas are on the earth today. Here's 2 Timothy 3. It says, in the last days, mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then down to verse 5. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. They will have religion. They will have whatever religion they've made up. They will have little pieces and take and pick and choose, but not a religion that makes them godly. They will not have the power to be godly. They will disguise themselves with religion, but it, it's all about them. It's all about their own pleasure. Hophni and Phinehas are here today, religious, but completely compromised. The Bible says, uh, or I'm sorry, our church uh, survey people say there's very little difference between the world and the church right now, that there's a tremendous compromise in the church. And that's spreading, and, and that poison is spreading, and, 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 and people have, have, have rejected boundaries that God has put in place, and they've, just, they've, they've, they've had tickling ears, and they find people to say what they want to say, and they, that's what we're going to do, and that's what we're going to believe in. And they will give themselves, Paul says later in 2 Timothy 3, to myths, and they're, they're just going to make their own religion that works for them. Well, well, that's, that's America today. Yeah, that's a, it's a terrible place. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Listen, that's not the end. There's, a, there's an answer God has. The answer then was Samuel. Look at the answer now. In the last day, says God, in that same last day period, I'm going to pour out my spirit on your sons and your daughters. And they are going to prophesy. They are, they are not just going to have facts about me. They're going to encounter me. They're going to experience me. And when they speak, they're going to speak from their own experience. They're going to know that what they're saying is true because their life has been changed. And so they're going to speak that to other people. They're going to, they're going to be carriers of my presence. They are going to prophesy. And it's going to be not just young, it's going to be old. The young are going to see visions. The old are going to dream dreams. Don't think you're left out because you're older. It's not, the revival's not coming from the young. It's coming from the young and old come together. When the, when the young honor the older and the older release the younger, there's going to be a tremendous outpouring in the spirit. And so, so what I said to these young people, there's 76 young people there, I said, uh, so uh, I'm not saying you even are godly right now, but you, you want to be. You want to set yourself apart for God. You want to be part of Samuel. 
Because God's, God's, God's answer in this generation is not one Samuel. It's a whole generation that's both Samuels and they're men and women. He's going to pour out his spirit. He's going to raise up in that very day of Hophni and Phinehas. He's going to raise up this Samuel generation. And I said, if you are not only committed to God, give me an addiction for your presence. I want to love your presence more than everything else. But you're also willing to stand for truth. Amidst a confused generation, you're willing to stand and suffer because you've got hard truth that you're willing to speak. You're willing to pass the test. God will pour out his spirit. So if that's you, I said, um, we're going to, Joe and, and Derek and I, we well, each had a bottle of oil. We're going we're gonna to pray for you. Well, 50 of the kids got up and just came forward. I said, okay, now go back. I, you, too many. I can't do them all at once. So we had two lines. And then they just filled in. Let me tell you something. He doesn't have to come. But when you give him an opportunity, he comes. The way God touched these kids, it was, it was holy. It was pure glory being poured out. And these kids are experiencing every type of manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And it was a wonder to them that God could be so real. So, July 30th, the last night of our conference, we're going to, at the end, I'm preaching a message called Devoted to Intimacy with God. And after that message, we're going to have an anointing service for the whole, the whole church. We'll have the pastors, the elders, the speakers. We'll all have a bottle of anointing. Well, whoever wants to get anointed. God is, is looking for those that are willing to be part of his answer those who, it's so easy, isn't it, to get discouraged about Hophni and Phineas and the laws and the rules and what's going on in the public schools and da-da-da-da-da. God's saying, I've got an answer. Who will join me? This isn't about great people, guys. If it was about great people, I'd have no faith for revival. This is about a gracious God wanting to pour out his spirit. He's, he, it's people like you and me. Not, not great people, just people who are saying, I desire to be godly. I don't mind going against the grain. God, if, 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 if this is good enough, pour out your spirit. And he's like, yeah, let's do this. So that Friday night, we're going to have an anointing for the whole church, anybody that wants to. All right, but right now, worship team, come. If you wouldn't mind closing your eyes for just a moment, bowing your head. He said to the, the angel spoke to the apostles and said, go teach them the words of this life. The words of this life. Guys, it's not, Christianity is not just a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle. It is life itself. Jesus broke death. He broke the power of death by his resurrection. What the gospel invites you into is a new race of people. The, the old is dead. He's inviting you to be born again. He's inviting you to have his very life in you. This is what it's all about. It's about union with God. God Jesus, that's why it's called being born again. He's, he's calling you to have his life in you. His Holy Spirit. He's calling you to have a culture where you and him live together as one. The Bible says that Jesus stands at the door and knocks. The reason why we have every head bowed and every eye closed, this is between you and God. The reason why I'm going to have you raise your hands is this, somebody help me open my door. And if you're here today and you don't know that the life of God is in you, you don't know that you are born again, you don't know that your sins are forgiven and if you died, you'd go to heaven, but you do know that Jesus is knocking, I want to help you open the door. Somebody help me. I'm so grateful for it. It's just a little prayer I'll give you to pray. But if that is you, Jesus is knocking and you want to open the door this morning, I want you to raise your hand real high right now, long enough for me to see it, all over this place. I see that hand and that hand and that hand. God bless you. And that hand in back. God bless you. Anybody else? By upraised hand. I got you, honey. God bless you. You can put those down. Is there, is there anybody else? By upraised hand. You want to be part of this prayer? I got you. Thank you. God bless you. If you raised your hand, would you just slip it over your heart right now? Pray something like this in the, 
in the depths of your being to God. Lord, I, I, I want to open my door and have you come into me. I need your forgiveness. I need your salvation. I need your life. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. I want everything that you have. Grant me repentance. Grant me forgiveness of my sins. And fill me with your spirit so that I can follow you all the days of my life. I ask this in Jesus' name. Now I want to pray for you. Father, confirm by your spirit that you heard this prayer. Confirm in each one that just prayed that. That this was not just them talking to the roof, but that you heard this prayer. That you are doing the work they've asked you to do. Thank you, God, for this in Jesus' name. Can we all stand as we, as we do this one song of worship? And then I will close with a prayer. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I am, I'm Hophni and Phineas. No, you're not. Maybe you've been involved in sexual sin. Maybe you've added it to your religion, but you're here today and he's giving you a chance to come clean. He's giving you a chance to repent. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I'm, I'm Eli. I've, I've compromised because of the fear of man. No, you're not. You're here today. The Bible says that Jesus died so that he could give repentance and forgiveness. He is here today to, to grant forgiveness. But he is asking for this abandonment. And only the Holy Spirit can create it. But if you want to be abandoned, if you want to be all in, if you want to give all of your religion, all of your measured responses, just bring them to the cross and say, Holy Spirit, make me abandoned. Why don't you just open your arms with me right now? Lord, I can only sense your great pleasure over your people saying, God, I want to I be abandoned. I, I don't want to play church. I don't want to have a little comfortable religion on the side. I want to be all in. Even though I live in America, I want to be all in. I want dangerous safety. Holy Spirit, come. Hear our prayer. Hear our cry. In this day, in this age, in this country, raise up a people, God. Raise up a people that you can pour out your spirit on. That will, that will live lives that show forth both the beauty and the power of God. Lord, do signs and wonders in our day. In and through your church, make us your alarm clocks that wake up each other just by being around each other and then send us out in the world. And God, there are some we're going to wake up and they're going to love us forever and others are going to throw us against the wall and we're okay with that. But make us your alarm clocks. Fill us, we pray. For your glory, for our good, and God, for the good of the world that desperately, desperately needs Jesus. Wake us up, God. We love you. Amen. Amen. Woo! So good news and bad news. Here's the good news. Um, we're going to respond to this message the night of June 30th. We're going to get anointed. We're going to let the Holy Spirit. Those kids were so courageous. Whatever it looks like, God, just fill me. And God, God took them up on that. Here's the bad news. We're not going to do it now. We have to move these pews. <laughs> and so um, if you're staying to help with the pew removal, come on forward. If you're going, God bless you. Um, you can make your way out. We're going to turn the lights up and uh, bless you. Have a great day. Thanks, guys.